I um, want you to know, because most of you have probably already figured this out, I'm a fundamentalist. I'm an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, visionary-minded. It means that I believe some fundamentals about the Bible. You study music, you have to study the fundamentals. And you know, I don't care what you do, there's always these fundamentals that you've got to have. Want to learn how to play golf? They even say there's fundamentals of golf. I haven't figured out what those are yet, but I'm sure they're there. I love to play golf. I had a guy one time, he, he saw me on the driving range, and he saw that I was putting the ball everywhere but down the middle. He walked over to me. He says, I'm a golf instructor, and I've been watching you, and I think I can help you. I said, well, great. I said, I can't pay you anything. He said, that's okay. I just want to help you. I said, well, great. He worked with me for an hour, and he finally got through, and he says, I can't help you. <laughs> a professional teacher. He played on the senior tour. He says, I don't know what it is about you. He says, I just can't teach you the fundamentals. So I guess I'll have to give up dreams of playing on the senior tour. And also the ladies' senior tour. I guess I'll just stick to preaching the Bible because I was able to learn the fundamentals. I went to Florida Bible College, 1964 to 1968. And God taught me some things about the Bible that I've never forgotten. So I believe that it's very, very important. So yes, I believe in the essentials. The fundamentals is the essentials of the Christian faith. You see, yes, I believe in the virgin birth. I believe that Jesus Christ did all those miracles. I believe that he was crucified. I believe he was buried. I believe he came back again from the dead. I, I believe all of that. I even believe he's coming back again. I believe that. And I don't have any problem whatsoever. There's not a doubt in my mind. Because you see, I spent years studying this book to see if it was really what it claimed to be, the Word of God. And as I studied prophecies, I became convinced this book, no man could have wrote this book. Man could not have wrote this book. This is one awesome book. And so I want you to take your Bible and look there with me. In the book of Romans, in chapter 1. See, even God knows that man is hard-headed and stiff-necked. It means you want proof, you want evidence. And even though he sent his son into the world and was born of a virgin, you can't prove it. How? <laughs> he did some of those miracles 2,000 years ago, but we weren't there. I, I never saw him walk on water. I never even saw him raise the dead. I didn't even see him come back from the dead. And God says, blessed are those that have seen it and believe it. And blessed are those who have never seen it and yet believe. You see, I don't have to have a lot of evidence, just a little bit. Something that causes me to believe what God said. Because, see, there's on the inside of me that little desire that... I want to know truth. I want to know for sure if there's a God. And can you know you have eternal life and be certain of going to heaven when you die? I didn't create that desire. It was always there, just like it's been in you. And because it's there, I should uh, try to find the answers. 
And as I studied the Bibles, I found out that there's so much that the natural man could not have known. This book is real. Look there in Romans in chapter 1. Look in verse 4. God himself, in order to prove that he is God and that what he says is true, based upon all the prophecy that he gave in the Old Testament, he must see that Jesus Christ comes back from the dead. Everything hung upon that truth. Because if Jesus didn't come back from the dead, there's no way of us knowing that Jesus Christ was truly the Son of God. Because he lived like other men, he just didn't sin. But you didn't, maybe would have known it. They lived with him and they didn't know. He didn't do anything that unusual for 30 years. He died on the cross. But back in those days, about 30,000 people were crucified on crosses. So what's the difference? He was buried. Other people were buried. So our whole religion, if you want to call it religion, our Christianity is based upon the greatest truth of all. Did he or did he not come back again from the dead? And I believe that he came back from the dead. Now, if he came back from the dead, people often say, well, what happened to the body? What happened to his body? Well, either man took it or God took it. If man took it, it was his friends or his enemies. If it was his friends that took it, then they knew that he didn't come back from the dead. Why would they give their life for something new wasn't true? I don't believe his friends took the body. Plus, the Romans had already sealed it and put some soldiers there to guard it. And there's nothing of any record anywhere where the disciples came in and slew all of these Roman soldiers and stole the body. There was no record of anything like that happening. So I don't think his friends did it. If his enemies did it, it would have worked against them. They're the ones that said, hey, this guy said that he's going to come back from the dead in three days. Seal this thing and make sure he doesn't come back. So they, they wouldn't have done it. And the disciples couldn't have done it. So his friends couldn't have and his enemies wouldn't have. You know, that only leaves somebody called God. God did it. The Bible says that God raised up Jesus Christ from the dead. And I believe it. See what he says here in verse 4. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. If there is no resurrection from the dead, there is no gospel. There is no good news. See there in verse 16. Look in verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the good news. It is the power of God unto salvation. So the gospel is the power of God to save a person. But what is included in the gospel? Turn your Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians and chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Very important for you to see this. See, Jesus had said five times, I am going to die and I'm going to raise this body up. I'm going to die and I'm going to raise this body up from the dead. You know, if he didn't come back from the dead, 
that would make him a liar. And if he's a liar, he's a sinner. And if he's a sinner, he's no different from any other man. He had to come back from the dead. All the religions of the world, you know, they've got their men, and they've got their graves, and they're still in the graves. There's only one that has an empty tomb, and that's the place of Jesus. Jesus was placed in a tomb. You weren't here in Sunday school, but I mentioned to them that Jesus was someone that borrowed a, a donkey that no man ever sat on. Would you like to get on a horse nobody ever sat on? He borrowed it because he didn't need it for long. And uh, the Bible says that he borrowed an upper room. He didn't need it for long. And then he told him, he says, um, he's going to borrow a grave. He didn't need it for long. Three days later, he came back. You know anybody else that just borrowed a grave? Hey, I'm not going to be here long. Can I just borrow it just for a few days? I think that's a riot. But in 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, if you will, look there in verse 1. Because without the resurrection, there is no gospel. And the gospel is founded upon the truth that Jesus came back from the dead. So he says there in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, Old Testament, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scripture. One person asked me one time, says, when it says, and he rose again, does that mean that he died and rose again before this time? No, it means that he was alive and was dead. And when he rise from the dead, it means he lives again. So he was alive and he was dead, and he is alive again. He rose again. means he lives again. So to come back from the dead means to live again. Jesus Christ rose. Jesus Christ is alive. And he says, by which you are saved. There is no other way to be saved. You see, Jesus Christ had to prove that he was the Son of God. So he was willing to subject himself to all the demands of the law of God and the law of man. And the law of God, when he put the sins of the world upon himself, God smit his own son. But according to the law, anyone who claimed to be God, then he was accused of blasphemy. And according to the law, he was to die. And yet he died on a Roman cross. The world put him to death. And at the same time, God says he delivered him by the determinant counsel of God into the hands of sinful men and let sinful men do what they did to this man. Jesus Christ was either God or the greatest imposter that's ever been in this world. Look how many people, even to this day, celebrate the resurrection. And yet many do not have a clue where they're going to spend eternity. For example, you can come here to church today. That doesn't mean you're going to church. I mean, you're going to heaven. 
Some of you might go to church, and that's all you're going to go. But you don't go to heaven because you went to church. And you may have heard about the resurrection and have not got a clue where you're going to go when you're dying. To me, when I used to hear about Easter, it was always the Easter bunny and the Easter eggs. And I remember I was about, I guess, five or six years old. And I don't have any clue where I got the idea from, but maybe I was enhanced a little bit because they had an Easter egg hunt at the school that I went to. And I remember they turned all of us kids loose out there in this field, and we all went looking for these little things. And I found some, and I ate it, and it was chocolate. And I thought, the Easter bunny lays chocolate eggs. And I went everywhere trying to find these chocolate eggs. And after school was out, I was still out there trying to find these chocolate eggs. Some of those things were not chocolate. I had a lot of lessons to learn. That was my story of Easter. But I knew nothing about Jesus Christ. I didn't know that he was the son of God and died on the cross and paid for sin and came back again from the dead. Because see, if he didn't come back from the dead, then God didn't keep his word. Because God said he would come back. Jesus said he would come back. So all of our hope is based upon this truth. This is why it's one of the greatest things in the world and the most hated doctrine of any teaching. Because if Jesus did come back again from the dead, no man should fear death. Every man would know he's going to live again and never to die anymore. I was mentioning this in Sunday school also. I thought it was a good thought. I wrote it down. I thought it was so good. Every once in a while, I'd come across something I think is really good. We know that Christ may come back at any time because we believe in the resurrection. We can believe he's coming back. But if you don't believe he ever left, you can't believe he's coming. So I wrote, we are the only ones alive that can live with the hope of never dying. Of all generations, a lot of people have had that hope, but they did. We're still alive. We're the only ones who believe that there's a good possibility the Lord may come back in our lifetime and we'll never see death. There is no hope greater than that. No hope bigger than that. Because you see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ inspires us with the highest elevation of hope. If I die, I'll be shocked to death. Some of y'all will get that after a while. It's just... Taking the time. Some things have to sink in just a little bit. I don't believe that I'm going to die an old man. Somebody says, you already are old. <laughs> it's relative. I used to say, I don't care if I live to be 70 years old. But when I got 69, I got concerned. <laughs> so I'm not an old man. When you compare to eternity like that but understand because he lives we will also live and that's one of the greatest things that we know that's how come I know I have eternal life I believe that when Christ died he died for me 
let me show you something that you need to understand because it's so important. Letting this hand represent you and me. And the wallet represent all the bad things that we've done. Because this is what Resurrection Sunday is about. This is why Christ came into the world. Because he, he loves us. He loves us. And heaven is a perfect place. God is perfect. So we have to be perfect to go to heaven. Most people think you just have to be pretty good. Well, there is no pretty good heaven. There's only a perfect heaven. And you've got to be perfect to go there. So that's why nobody can go to heaven because we've all sinned. We're all sinners. We've all done things wrong. So God says because of sin, it has to be paid for. And the wages of sin is death. So the Bible says we cannot save ourselves. You see, some people say, we've well, got to turn from your sins. Stop being bad. No, no, no. You don't have to turn from your sin. You've got to die for your sins. Wages of sin is not turning from your sin. The wages of sin is death. You must die. That's why everybody born, everybody sins, everybody dies. And God says you cannot save yourself. That's why there's nothing that you can do to save yourself. Going to church won't save you. It won't get you to heaven. And giving money, I'm not against it. But it won't get you to heaven. I hated to say that. Oh, it took everything I had it in to say that. And you don't have to treat your wife right to go to heaven. Now, why did I say that? But anyway, God says there's nothing you can do to save yourself. The Bible says you're saved by this gospel by which ye are saved. By which you are saved. You see, we're going to pay for this. It's eternal separation from God in hell. So the whole thing about this is how to save us from hell. Because I don't want to go there. Do you want to go there? I don't want to go there. So God found a way to save a man because he couldn't earn it. So God did this. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, this hand represents Jesus Christ, into the world. He was spotless. He was sinless. Never did anything wrong. Lived a perfect life. He had no sinful nature. And he had no reason to die. Because he hadn't sinned. He didn't have to die. We sin. We have to die. So because he was spotless and innocent and pure and holy, the law couldn't condemn him. The law condemned all the rest of us. So Jesus Christ, because he loved us and he loved his father, he says, even so, I love my Father. I want the world to know I love my Father. Even so, I do. So he came into the world because of love. And he hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. He took all the sin of all the world, and he died in our place. And everybody just about heard, he died. But he died to pay for our sins. It means that if I believe he paid for my sins, it means I don't have to pay for them. If I believe it, the payment he made is put to my account. I go to heaven on what Christ did. It means that I don't have to go to hell today and pay for a sin. I don't have to go to hell tomorrow and pay for a sin. I never have to go to hell to pay for any sin. I can't go to hell. I've had people tell me to go there. I can't go there. It's impossible. Why? Because I believed the gospel. This good news. 
that if I would believe that what Christ did, he did it for me as my substitute in my place. He would give me as a free gift everlasting life, and I go to heaven on what Christ did for me. That was the best news I ever heard in my life. Did you know that he arose in order to give to you and I the blessings of salvation? Because if he had not come back from the dead, there'd be no salvation to offer because there would be no good news. The good news isn't that he died and was buried. What was good news, he came back from the dead. Now he is alive that can save anyone. And that was God's proof, God's evidence. He meant what he said. Jesus Christ coming back from the dead with the scars in his hands and scars in his side and scars in his feet is the living proof, the receipt, proof of payment. In other words, you go to the restaurant, you get a little receipt. You go get some gas, you get a little receipt. Jesus Christ is my receipt, paid in full. You see those scars? They were put there for me. He did it for me. He is my living proof for all eternity, and He is always alive and can never die again. So I've always got this receipt. Nobody can ever send me to hell. God can't send me to hell. Nobody can send me to hell. Why? I have a receipt paid in full. He died in my place for my sins. I don't have a sin to pay for. Do you get that? Do you really understand what I'm saying? How many of you understand what I'm saying? Let me see your hand. All right, put your hand down. How many of you don't? No, no, no. That is so important. You see, once you've trusted Christ as your Savior, one of the greatest things is that it imposes upon you and me the most exalted union ever can be created. Now, when I married my wife, she married me. We were joined together in holy deadlock, wedlock. So we were married. And she still has a ring. I got three months after we were married. And took a couple years to pay for them. I, I, don't, I don't wear around. I just don't like things. But we've been married almost 53 years in June. Now, that's a pretty good long time. 53 years. So we have been together all these years. That's a union. Some of you have children born into your family. And there's a family Union. And sometimes they leave and they come back home, a family reunion. There's not going to be a reunion like what we're going to have when we get to heaven and the whole family's there. The whole family of God. We'll all be together. What a family reunion that will be. But the greater union of all is whenever we had this sin that separated us. And whenever I trusted Christ as my Savior, He accepted me, I accepted Him, and we were joined together in a holy union that can never be severed. This is the most precious union in all the world. That's why I have eternal life, because Christ says He is the true God and eternal life. And when I trust Him as my Savior, I am united with Him and I have eternal life and He'll never cast me out and never lose me. That means this union is forever. It's eternal union. It is eternal security. I am eternally secure. I can never go to hell. That's the most gracious, peaceful, 
mind that anybody can ever have. But yet, in spite of what he did 2,000 years ago for the sins of the whole world, many people do not get it. They still think they have to earn eternal life and work their way to heaven by their good deeds. If you could get there any other way, Christ would not have had to die. For if righteousness should be by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. He died in vain. You see, God cannot release a prisoner until the debt is paid. The song that James sung up here just a moment ago, paid in full, paid in full, paid in full. Nothing left to pay. It's paid in full. So when I accept that payment, I am no longer a prisoner. I am free. My debt has been paid. You know, you get a guy, he does something wrong in society, and then he goes to jail for, you know, three years, four years, he gets out, and he says, I paid my debt to society. Well, we have a debt we owe to God. I don't want to pay that debt to be eternally separated from God. So I'm glad that Christ died on the cross for my sins and will give me as a free gift everlasting life. So you see, here I am. I'm a sinner, just like you. Christ had no sin. He took ours, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And God says, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. So then he says that he has joined us together in this union. And because of that, he makes a statement in the book of Romans in chapter 6. Walk in newness of life. You see, what I like about this whole thing is that not only has he given me eternal life, but he has given me period of time since I trust the Lord 52 years to walk in this newness of life. You see, I know that this thing is true. This thing has changed my life. I'm not the same fellow that I used to be. I'm talking about, see, and I want you to understand this. I enjoy going to speaking schools. I spoke in one this week, one last week, and before that, a couple others. And I love it when they have teenagers that I've never talked to before. Because everybody tells them, say, Yankee, you ought to learn some new jokes. No, I just need new kids. The old joke works fine. And the first thing that I do is I always tell them how I got my name Yankee. Because they always introduce me as, this is Yankee Arnold. Well, how many people do you know that's named Yankee? And so they automatically think. I had two little girls that came up to me at the last dinner we had. And they wanted to do something special for me. So they said, we want to sing a song to you. I said, well, great. I said, what is it? Yankee Doodle went to town. <laughs> Except they said, Yankee Arnold went to town riding on. They did the whole thing. And I guess they probably thought, I have never heard this before. <laughs> Only a couple times. I said, have you ever heard of Yankee Doodle? They said, yeah. I said, that was my dad. <laughs> but you see, and the truth is, when my daddy was a bootlegger, his name was Shine. He, was a, he made counterfeit money. He spent time in a chain game for attempted murder. My dad and mom, they lived way back in the woods. 
you had to pipe in the sunlight so far back. And I'm talking about broke. They, was, they were broken than the Ten Commandments. But I never saw my mom and dad in a church, never saw them read a Bible, I never saw them have prayer. But you see, my dad had always wanted a little boy, but he was on the run from the law. He went to Pennsylvania. When he went to Pennsylvania, I was born. And everybody would want a little boy. And I was a little darling kid. And my daddy looks at me and he says, because I had long, straight black hair all over my body. I had sideburns, hair going down my back. He said, I look like a little monkey. He said, I was the ugliest kid he'd ever seen in his life. He was going to put me in a burlap sack and throw me in the river and drown me. My mama wouldn't let him. Doctor came to the house, looked at me and looked at my daddy and said, look just like his daddy, don't he? <laughs> my daddy swore. He called me a Yankee. And so I was called Yankee from the day I was born, before I got my real name. Six months later, we, they moved back to Georgia. And I never heard anything about the Lord. I went to school. I really did. Spent the happiest three years of my life in 10th grade. <laughs> no, no. Reason I didn't go into the 11th grade, my dad was still there. <laughs> no. One time the teacher got a hold of me and says, I'll teach you to kiss these girls. I said, I already know how. <laughs> but anyway, I didn't. The, the thing that's important is I was 18 years old when someone finally explained the gospel to me. Happened to be my father-in-law. Because I had taken his daughter and ran off to Anderson, South Carolina to get married. But I did try to do it right. I asked him, I said, can I marry her? He said, no. <laughs> and it wasn't the girl's fault. I mean, it's not Betty. I mean, when I poured on my irresistible charm, she didn't have a chance. <laughs> I mean, she, just, she couldn't resist. I mean, I, I just, you ever, have you guys, have you ever felt like you were just God's gift to the women? You knew that. You knew it. You knew it. You, just, you could tell. Well, I went and I asked him. I says, can I, can I marry? He says, no. He says, you don't have a job. You don't have any money. You don't have a place to live. And her mother says, and you're a hoodlum. They were right. Everything they said was the truth. I was the worst hope for anybody. And I'd finished the 10th grade. I, I really did. 11th grade, I even went to it. But after a while, I got to the place where I'm sick and tired of people telling me what I can and cannot do. So I run away from home and joined the Navy. I didn't say I was bright. Well, my mama called me son. And that night when Betty's dad talked to me and explained the gospel to me, I trusted Christ as my Savior. I never heard it before. That was the best news I'd ever heard. After I trusted Christ as my Savior, I, knew I was saved. I'm saved. Because he says, by which you are saved. There is no other way to be saved. You can't save yourself. The church can't save you. Your good works can't. No religion can save you. Only Jesus Christ. And if you will accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, He will save you from hell. That means you never go there. It means I don't go there. I can't, I can't go there. Because He saved me. You see, I don't deserve that. That's why God says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not of works. It's the gift of God. You take a, a boy like me that had no clue what he was doing and all the decisions that I made that was so bad. 
and God can save him and give him eternal life. That's grace. That's grace. That is grace. And then after I've trusted Christ as my Savior, and I realized that God wanted me to walk in newness of life, that means that the power that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead lived inside of me to give me the power to change my life. My life has been changed. I am living a resurrected life. I live as somebody who's come back from the dead. And I want to serve the Lord with all my heart. Not to get to heaven, but because I'm going to heaven. There's things that I don't do. There's places that I don't go. There's a language that I don't speak. I'm a child of God. I want to live like one, act like one, listen like one, talk like one. Because if you're a child of the king, you ought to use the language of the court. This is God's word. This is the king's word. I want to know it. He is real to me. I hope that he's real to you. This was the best thing that I had ever heard. And I had another statement that I wanted to give to you. One of the things that I had shared a little bit earlier in Sunday school was this. Jesus Christ. When he came to the cross, the disciples were in sorrow. The night that he was praying, they were in sorrow when they saw him taken. Peter was beside himself and even cut off a guy's ear. Even denied him three times. And then because he said, I'm going fishing, all the disciples forsook him and they fled and they all went fishing and left Jesus. They were so sorrowful, weeping. And then when he talked to the two on the road to Emmaus, he says, why is your countenance down? Why, why are you so sad? He says, you don't know what happened here? We thought he was the Messiah. We thought he should be the one. And he's crucified. And this is the third day. And the guy that was walking with him was the Lord. But they couldn't tell it. And they convinced him to stay a little longer and have something to eat. And so he blessed the food. And then they knew. And it says, did not our hearts warm within us as he talked with us by the way? When he opened up the scriptures and he revealed himself from the Old Testament scripture, from the law and the prophets and the Psalms concerning himself. You see, Jesus did something. No man has ever done. When he came back from the dead, and I had mentioned this, because we've got people right here in this church that have lost loved ones. I lost my son. My grieving didn't come right away. My grieving came months and months later, about eight, nine, ten months later, that I broke down and I cried. Never cried until then. I've had others who have lost daughters. Some have lost their sons. Some have lost husbands, their wives, and grieve for months and months and months, and some people never get over it. They loved Jesus. They saw him crucified. They were in deep sorrow. And three days later, he came back from the dead, and they saw him. And it became joy. 
They weren't grieving anymore. Why weren't they grieving? Because they knew he was alive. He's alive. No more sorrow. Because he says, the joy that I will give to you, the world can't give it and the world can't take it away. The joy that I have and the reason I want to serve the Lord, you didn't give it to me and you can't take it away from me. I got it from the Lord because he is alive and he's real. And more real to me than the clothes that I have on my back. I don't know what he means to you, but I hope he means the world to you. He's everything to you. Because you believe that Jesus Christ came back again from the dead. Let me show you this one more time. Just in case you're here and you've never trusted the Lord. If this is you and me, this is sin, we're all in the same boat. We can't save ourselves. So God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to pay for our sins. It came back again from the dead. And God says that if I would believe it, he would save me. If you will believe that he did it for you, he'll save you. But he doesn't force anybody. You don't even have to believe it. But the Bible says, he that believeth on him, some will, some won't. He that believeth on him hath everlasting life. He that believeth not, the wrath of God abides upon him. But as many as received him, not everybody will. But as many as do, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. I am a child of God. I'm going to heaven when I die. I don't deserve anything. But he loves me that much. And he loves you the same. You see, if he loves me that much and he loves you that much, God says he so loved the world and there's, he's not a respecter of persons. That means that uh, he doesn't love anybody better than he loves you. But it also means he doesn't hate anybody more than he hates you. He doesn't hate you. He loves you. And that's why he sent his son to die for you. Will you believe it? I believe it. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted the Lord, maybe you've heard about it all your life, but this never maybe made sense. I want you to do something about it this Resurrection Sunday. I want you to believe that when Christ died, he died for you. In your own mind, I want you to say these words. Christ died for me. Christ died for me. He paid for my sins. Say that in your own mind. He paid for my sins. If I believe he did it for me, he will give me eternal life. Say that in your own mind. Lord, I believe he did it for me. I have eternal life. And friend, if you're making that decision and doing that right now, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand, but I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you stand up and come forward. I just want to know if what I said made sense to you. And I'd like to have prayer for you in closing. I don't have to know who you are. I just want to know that if you are here, and you will trust Christ as your Savior, I'd like to know it. It would be such a blessing to me. But I'd like to have prayer for you in closing. Is there anyone at all say, yes, that made sense to me, and I will right now accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Yes, God bless you, sir. I see your hand in the back. Yes, God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Anyone else? Just slip it up real quick. Yes, God bless you, sir. That's the wisest decision you can ever make. There's no tricks to it. You may have heard about it all your life. 
but never accepted him as your Savior. When you get up to leave, you ought to be able to say, I'm going to heaven. Whenever I die, I'm going to heaven because Christ died for all of my sins. I don't have any sins to pay for. He did it for me. I don't deserve it. But he loves me that much. Anyone else before we close say, yes, that made sense to me. I want to trust Christ too. I want to get in on this. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. Anyone else? Our Father, we thank you so much for these that have indicated by an uplifted hand that they will accept Christ as their Savior. By doing so, they become your child. You said you never cast them out and never lose them. And we just thank you, Lord, that you've made it so easy, so simple for us. And Father, you did all the work. All we have to do is believe it. And Father, we become your child with the free gift of eternal life. You said you'd never cast us out and never lose us. We ask your blessings upon each one here. Thank you for so much for this day, for all you've done for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.